TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you for episode 413, just a month shy of our eighth birthday. And as always, and really when I say as always, like I'm always digitally here now with Damo. I've only had mm-hmm. one in real life time with Damo in the last 50-odd episodes. More. The number one wellness expert in this country, bar none. Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, brother. Hello, brother. How are you? Nice to see you on the screen again, although it was nice to have you in person. Oh. Only last week, wasn't it? Only last you know, if week. we were more Insta-famous, we would have taken so many photos and videos <laughs> of our time together, know, but because we're not, we mm. didn't take one photo no. of our time together. I, no. ha- I came home to show my kids what I did. Yeah. No photo of your Caprizi salad cheese board just hors d'oeuvre city, the beautiful dinner we had, the incredible wine, the Icarian wine, the rosé, the breakfast we had out together, the yeah. bromantic time we had <laughs> has not been captured and we have Does to live it? with that because the memories are rich and they just get richer with time. Yeah, yeah, 100%, which I love. Like I love that. I love – there was a time in my life where everything was Facebooked, everything was – instead like all that sort of stuff but I kind of um i don't really do that much these days and i think that you know those people who love us jump online when we're online and that's kind of nice um but mm. i'm always happy to share audio is good for me i like audio yeah now that i've got my hair i've got a good head for radio <laughs> <laughs> now you're very humble uh, and we're not going to talk about all of the wild opportunities you have, but you do have a number of big opportunities on your lap at your desk at the moment, which you're filtering through. Um, and in, in amongst that, it got us talking about uh, your just incredible nature as a green thumb, my complete lack of, let's just say, innate, natural, inborn ability to keep food alive or to even grow food from scratch. You're very good at it. Your basil is thriving. You have three forms of mint. Your tomatoes are growing. Uh, you've just got <laughs> your balcony is alive. So true. With, is it flora and fauna? Is it just flora? Anyway, I think it's flora. Well, Don't we have a cat, so there's some fauna. Oh, yeah. And fauna. Well, I found a lizard the other day, uh, so that's fauna. So, that's so, so you are teeming with fauna mm-hmm. and your flora is thriving. Yeah. And it really just got us chatting about, Homegrown produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world is still very, uh, I want to say, uh, organic obsessed, but there is still a big. The default question for a lot of consumers still is, is it organic? Mm. Um, and I think it'd be a great conversation to have. We're in the process of building a home, which means I'm going to have to learn how to grow my incredible edible garden, as you have done. But I do think a lot of our listeners and viewers are going to want to have this conversation of, is homegrown better than certified organic? Is certified organic better than non-organic but local? What if it's a, you know organic banana from Thailand? Is it better than a you know not certified organic banana from Byron Bay. North Queensland? Mm. Um, or Coffs Harbour. These are Harbor. questions that, that need answers. And if anyone has the answers, it's you or Coffs Harbour. That's right. Um, <laughs> 
So you ready to rock? Yeah, mate, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm just saying hi to a few people. Just notice that no one's on. Um, Therese is there. It's great to see. So I'm just saying hi to a few people. But, um, mate, it's a big deal. I think I'm often asked, and when I was making forage, a lot of people asked me, why don't you make your product organic? And the porridge was organic. Like, it was, it was organic. Uh, but the reason why we didn't do organic was because we couldn't all like why didn't we continue with the certified? certification? Because yeah. we did have um, ACO certification in the early days of the porridge, um, and yes, there's lots of compliance things, and you've got to make sure that it's in an organic you know space and it's away from all kinds of different um, chemicals and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, which is fine; that's easy to do. Um, but it was always difficult to ensure that we would always be able to get certified certified organic um, produce in order to blend with the porridge. And obviously that makes it much more expensive as well because, you know, you're not growing in massive batches and, you know, big loads and you've got pests that can come in, you know, chew down crops and you're not using poisons and all that sort of stuff that would stop locust plagues and stuff, you know. Um, so it, it becomes a bit more expensive. And so people would often ask me, why don't you use organic with uh, with the rest of the range? Like, why, why isn't the rest of it? And again, it all came down basically to supply. Like once upon a time, everything was kind of organic. But as there's been a greater need for the world to have to use more food or for the world to consume as much food as what we do, um, and to get efficiencies and to get the quantity of produce out that uh, kind of almost needs to be out to feed such a massive population in the world. Um, and, and even then, there's so many millions, billions of people that are starving. Uh, you know, to, to create as much food as what we do, the modern-day farming processes don't subscribe to an organic model. And so then I've got to be thinking, like, will we have as many centenarians moving forward um, as a result of our produce not being organic? Um, and what what are the countries around the world where they have lots of centenarians? What are they doing? Are they consuming organic food? Is that even though we have identified that nutrition's only a fraction of a component to longevity, could it be that it's organic produce and less pesticides has actually assisted them in avoiding cancer and heart disease and diabetes? I mean, you know the stats off, you know, like the back of your hand. So is it a toxin thing or is it a um, or is it something else? But um, I All thought right. that would be worth, you know, maybe, you know, considering. This is so good. All right. At the end of this episode, what I want from you, Damo, is what vegetables and fruits, if they're easier, but vegetables are way easier, I reckon. What vegetables can any of us grow in the backyard? You don't have a backyard. You have two balconies <laughs> and you still grow all of this incredible food. Um, yeah. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get to that. We are going to have this conversation around food and and potential causal links to longevity. Let's do a couple of just random uh, statistic vomits, which I think are valuable. Uh, <laughs> I love a statistic vomit. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. so thirty three thirty three percent of cancer a direct result of uh, obesity, mm-hmm. and in the words of your good self, eighty uh, percent of body shape comes from food. Yes. You do the links there, it's pretty obvious that food choices are a big, 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 big chunk yep. of what causes cancer. Yep. Um, 34% of diabetes, this is World Health Organization stats, are directly caused by obesity. 
and 80% of body shape from food, okay? Mm-hmm. So I think that, that part of it is clear, but I think we would also say that a lot of that food creating that obesity, it's not, it's not um, conventionally farmed apples and conventionally farmed green beans. It's, it's, it's carbicide gone mad. It's just so many toxic carbs, so many toxic fats, and, and arguably toxic proteins, you know, and then obviously sugars as a carbon and the rest. But I don't think it's the vegetables and fruits choices that are that are at the cause of those um, levels of obesity. So then, Damo, I want to propose to you that when we go to Ikaria and when we do our research on Sardinia and Okinawa and the rest, those those areas yeah. don't check labels because they actually don't eat a lot of labels. I always think of Yanni and Joanna. They are self-sufficient off their own land except for coffee and flour. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think they check the labels on the coffee and the flour to see if it's organic and if it's been sprayed or if there's any mold in the coffee and how they filter it because I would say, well, well definitely the way I think anyway, is they are doing so many of the right things that what two of the things are is actually really um, unimportant. True, true. Like I, I think I kind of lost you a little bit there because Wendy jumped on. Um, but um, no, you got distracted. Yeah, sorry about that. But what I, where I heard you going, and you know what I enjoyed you talking about was the fact that Yanni and Joanna aren't looking at labels, and they're not concerned about mold and all that sort of stuff on their coffee, and they're eating everything kind of you know fresh as it kind of. Well, my picture of that is that they're eating, you know, stuff that's fresh and seasonal. So not worried about the storage of stuff. And one of the things that we do these days um, in, uh, you know, in a Western world or in, you know, kind of a modern civilization or in the city, you know, whichever way you want to look at it, is we harvest too much and then try to store it for a long period of time. Yes. yes. So for longevity of the produce sake, we're using preserving methods they enable stuff to seem still fresh, if that makes sense. So we we might use a spray into the air at a certain temperature to close up the pores of an apple so that the apple stays fresh and not deformed by the time it gets brought out to the supermarket shelf. Um, regardless of whether it's 12 or 18 months old, it still looks fresh. And it's not until you actually break open the apple or cut open the apple that you realize that it's not too fresh because it goes brown within five minutes. So... You know, part of our desire to have access to all of these foods continuously out of season has meant that we've had to, you know, look at storage um, methods and and also preserving methods of food and meat and, or you know, vegetables, plants and and proteins uh, and even fats to some extent that will will give it shelf time um, or shelf life. So this is the this is the the question which I think or the issue which I think is still overlooked, and that is that is the the food miles conversation, yeah. which is just another way of, of of you know eating local foods. I know when we moved up here, I was like, there's macadamias everywhere and there's macadamia trees everywhere, and I was like, Sebe, we don't need to buy cashews from Ecuador or Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Um, like, let's just have almonds from Australia and macadamias from our local shire. Why do we need to? And I and the reason why I feel like many of us have got into these habits of, of of what you've just said about um, harvesting or, or 
buying foods that have been designed to be on a shelf for a long time is I almost feel like it's the recipe epidemic. If we didn't have so many recipes, we wouldn't be shopping for so many single ingredients that mm-hmm. we feel like we that you know we must get we must get this ingredient to top off that recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in days gone by, your grandmother would only show you how to cook this recipe when the food had actually grown in her garden or her neighbor's garden. She couldn't show you until she actually had it available to show you. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you could show anyone anything at any time. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. And I mean, going to the days kind of where we would have meat and three veg and be okay with that. And if we had cabbage in the garden, we'd cook up the cabbage. Even the kids, you know, kicked up a bit of a stink, you know. So um, you're right. Everything's gone a little bit fancy. And for us to be able to make a butter chicken, we need our cashews. And if we want to have butter chicken um, when we're not growing cashews, then, you know, we've got to buy cashews from overseas. So we're not necessarily shifting um, our meal designs meal types or our cravings or desires for particular types of foods to a seasonal um, appropriate time, mm. if that makes and, sense. And even I just said to Sarah today, she was like, you know, oh, we're just having so much plain food at the moment. And I was like, oh, actually, I was like, oh, we'll probably be doing that till 2030, which is my answer <laughs> to, to everything. Yeah. But, you know, the kids aren't into um, elaborate meals, which, which personally – I don't have an I don't have an issue with because I actually think it does tempt you to do something outside of living locally and simply. I think of again, I know we reference our times in Ikaria a lot, but it is so powerful for reminding us of the simplicity of food and particularly around this homegrown organic times. Like uh, we laugh about the wine in Ikaria. Um but they they prioritize having their local wine without they don't do any, you know, chemicals and and sulfates and sulfites and i'll actually ask you about that in a minute yeah and then they laugh at you know there's always this joke of you know the french tourists come to ikaria and they expect you know the bordeaux wine and they (laughs) taste the ikarian wine and they're like accosted they are (laughs) insulted they are almost (laughs) ready to leave the whole island because of the wine but the people like well this is our natural fermented wine yeah um and this is this is our. It's like this is our local environment. Why do we have to alter our our local environment? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> that's right. Well, it's funny because the wine that I drank the other night from Icaria was unbelievable. Like it you was said it's the best Icarian wine you've ever had. <laughs> Seriously, and I also said to you that it's a wine that we wouldn't get here in Australia. Like you couldn't get that flavor wine here in Australia, but it was just unbelievable. So you know, very lucky that we can get access to to that. Um, but it was also, it was definitely it's organic, right? So they're not using sulfur dioxide, not adding sulfur dioxide to it, and it's an organic product. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of variability with the organic product as well. So you get different shapes and sizes, different flavor profiles, um, you know, different nutrient levels, all that sort of stuff. There's not much that's standardized with an organic product, and um, which kind of gives it its own uniqueness as well. Um, but obviously, that comes with some kind of challenge. You know, not everyone wants to buy a funny shaped banana or a funny shaped apple or a you know, two-headed carrot or, you know, some people don't want to do that sort of stuff. So, you know, we get a lot of food wastage from organic food because it's not standardized, if you know what I mean. So, Is that the fault of the supermarket <clears throat> chains it, that yeah. we don't want a two-headed carrot anymore because we've been raised to see just like beautiful, perfect carrots like, and we think that anything different is like there's got to be something wrong with it? Well, yeah, I think – 
I think it's part to do with the supermarkets, but I think it's part to do with the consumer. There's an expectation that an apple looks like an apple or a kiwi fruit looks like a kiwi fruit. Um, and so as a result, anything that kind of deviates away from that that's inconsistent um, is seen to be um, distasteful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to get organic produce that's consistent in its shape and consistent in its you know weight and so on and so forth is just it's just harder and more expensive. So um, I, I actually think that um, it's probably more the consumer that's actually driven that and then um, supermarkets have demanded it you know, based on consumer, you know, consumer um, sentiment. So, yeah, I think there's that. So, I was thinking about that too because if you look at potatoes, we look at sweet potatoes, they're all different shapes and sizes and we're okay with that. But if it comes to broccoli heads, like broccoli heads have got to be around about the same size. Um, If you look at, you know, spring onions, like a spring onion bunch has got to be relatively consistent and uniform. Um, if you look at um, blueberries, they're all about the same size. You've either got a little blueberry or a big blueberry and you pay more for the, bl- the big ones, you know. And so like, there's that standardization process that, that kind of takes place. But, you know, if we go back to Icaria and I suppose let's consider what the title of this podcast is, Organic Food and Lifestyle, a Centenarian's Approach. Like if we, if we look at that and consider that and we look at what Yanni and Joanna are doing or we look at everyone else in Icaria, what are they actually doing? Um, we well, it's it's quite easily it's easy to observe their organic lifestyle um, because they haven't brought in all of the other things. And then if you look at um, you know uh, Yanni's yeah yeah um, not Yanni um, oh my god Ilya's farm. If you look at Ilya's farm, like he's growing strawberries and eggplant and tomatoes and capsicum and all that sort of stuff during the year when he can grow that. And then when the season changes, he's growing a whole lot of other stuff. Hence the reason why when I asked for Spanakopita, we couldn't get Spanakopita at that time of the year because spinach doesn't grow at that time of the year. So um, what's interesting about that is that the only the, – the reason why they're so successful at growing seasonal food is because they've worked out what grows with what. And so when I look at Summer's question before, I can't grow anything because I'm in a rental or I don't want to spend any time on it or, you know, hear what you might say and I don't know, you know, I haven't got a green thumb or whatever. We've kind of lost the art to companion plant. Um, And so much of um, how organic lifestyle from a food or nutrition perspective would work is around companion planting and ensuring that there's plants that are there to distract the bugs or the funguses or whatever it is away from the crop that it is that we're wanting to consume. Um, yeah. Or, you know, for example, look at sugarcane. Um, in order for, um, you know, we look at the sugar, there's the uh, the cane toad was, was introduced to keep a pest away from the sugarcane, um, which has worked obviously, but now the sugarcane toads or the cane toads have gone berserk. And I think there was... Another animal, maybe it was a snake that was actually introduced to try and get rid of the cane toads. And so when you try to hack your way into growing something that's not <laughs> local, um, there's repercussions for it. You know what I mean? So That just sounds like a medicine in the side effects, you know. Uh, I brought in this and the side effect of that is that I need to do this and the side effect of that I need to yeah. get in the snake. Yeah, it's know? cascades of intervention. So yeah. I look at my garden out on my the deck to my left-hand side and I've got – Limes, which I've been harvesting, PC. I've been harvesting my limes. Now I've grown that on a deck. I'm on the second story of a of a apartment building in Melbourne, and I've grown out there thyme and basil and t- 
tom- a tomato plant that yields more than 300 tomatoes every time it comes to flower. Um, I've got a frangipani. I've got spinach, rosemary, parsley. Most of that's herbs. We've got lemons and limes out there. Then I go out that deck to my right, and it has there's something there that's not as good as what's out there. So I get pests on my plants out that side, and I get uh, aphids on my coriander out that side, and my lemon tree won't fruit. So there's something that happens on this deck compared to that deck. So I, I, I really can't work that one out. But sometimes where you're growing your produce, remember the the uh, planter box I used to have in uh, in Brighton yes. when I you know lived down the road. Um, I could never grow anything in that thing. Like every time I got a little bite of a tomato, some kind of bush rat would come past and chew it up. Maybe it was just a possum. But something would just, you know, chew it up and eat it. And so there's a lot to do with the positioning of everything and all that sort of stuff. But in Ikaria, they've got that nailed. They've got that mm. nailed. In Sardinia, they've got that nailed. In Okinawa, they've got that nailed. I, my suspicion is that there's some wisdom in a, the organic food and lifestyle of a centenarian that we haven't yet harvested, that we need to bring back to Australia to understand how do they do gardens so that we could also have an organic lifestyle. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, we definitely would love to spend more time with Ilya in the in the garden. Um, mm. Absolutely. Mm. All right, three quick questions to to wrap it up. Mm. Um, I'm in the supermarket. Do I get certified organic, uh, non-local, or do I get local? Uh, not certified. Hmm. You know, uh, have you ever watched Suits before? No, you asked me about this. No, haven't. Okay. So in one of the scenes in Suits, Mike Ross is asked by this girl that he wants to date to play a game. And the game is um, you, you, you're given two characters and you have to decide which character is going to be out for the rest of the forever and so that character never existed in time and so one of the questions was um out of which out of these two characters which would you choose has to go and you have to choose one is it han solo or is it indiana jones which character goes forever and never makes a movie you've asked me that question just by asking me do i buy local and not organic or organic and not local and it's really hard to say because Sometimes I would say buy local, but there could be local food that's really rich in pesticides and herbicides and all that sort of stuff, which may not be as good for mm-hmm. you. Um, but we could have organic produce, which is really good for you, but it's travelled miles. So I kind of go. It depends. It they're depends. hard. Yeah. That's a really hard question to answer. Yep. So I love the question, but it's it's hard to answer. Yeah, I agree. Actually, it's it's horses for courses. Mm. Um, okay, so this might be exactly the same. <laughs> Homegrown and Sprayed, yes, versus organic international. It's pretty much the same thing. Same thing. Um, same thing. Yeah, I think yep. some of these things just can't be mutually exclusive. Um, and yes. so, I think your gold standard will be local organic. Like that's your gold standard. In fact, it'll be organic and homegrown, um, and then you know, um, organic and local. Um, and obviously, all of my gardens organic, right? One hundred percent organic. No, nothing bad used in it. I turn in there some fertilizer, um, which is just um, poo. And so that just goes into there, uh, and, and so it's you know it's great. But I, so I'm using organic stuff, but that's not going to be the case for everybody. Not everyone's going to be able to do that. So, all right, last question uh, for this episode: uh, people that want to start their own veggie patch, mm-hmm. something at home, 
the three or four easiest vegetables that pretty much anyone could grow mm. and they're not going to have to worry too much. So veggies, tomatoes, everyone can grow. Potatoes, everyone can grow. T- really? Potatoes? Oh, yeah. Tomatoes? Potatoes? Potatoes, yeah. Everyone can grow potatoes. Oh, cool, okay. So easy. And then you just let your potatoes go a little bit further and then replant them, you know, so that's easy. Um, you, zucchinis, someone has just written, Tammy's just written zucchini. Zucchinis, yes. Pumpkins, yes. Carrots, yes. Like all of these, these are all easy things to grow. Um, Tammy lives on a farm. She's a farmer. Does she? Oh, there you go. Tammy's <laughs> cheating. Maybe she's got a zucchini farm. Um <laughs> most things are actually really easy to grow provided you give it the right environment. The right amount of water is really important. The right amount of sunlight is really important. Um, and, you know, plant them near each other. There's a great little book that I was given, um, which is all, all of, it was all about companion planting. Um, I got that a few years ago. Really, really good book that just helps you know what to plant near what else, you know. That's a good thing. Yep. Citrus, you can't go wrong with citrus. Um, that just needs a wee from time to time. Um, so yeah, I, I think th- there's plenty of great foods that you can be growing, um, in your backyard. And it, I think the only thing is how much of your backyard are you willing to give to your garden? Mm. Well, in Icaria, it's a lot. It's the whole They're of your backyard. It's your home, front yard, backyard. Lots of land because that's going to feed you and keep you safe for many years to come. Yeah. Uh, great episode. Great chat. Thanks for your wisdom. I think we've de- defined, uh, that, you can't be so hell-bent on one way or another. There is a large element of grey like there is with many things, but particularly around longevity, uh, it's not as black and white um, when it comes to food. So thanks for your wisdom as always, Damo, um, on this episode of 100 Not Out. Thanks, PC. Thanks for the questions too. Challenging questions, you know, it's, I think it's good for people to see that you just can't have it all your own way. Like, no. you know, if you want to have a bit of flexibility, you've got to be a little bit flexible yourself. Uh, for all of Damo's wisdom, head on over to damienchristoff.com. Myself, head on over to marcuspierce.com.au. We are approaching the eight-year birthday of 100 Not Out and our Byron Bay Longevity Experience announcement is coming up. All we say now is keep May 16 to 22 in your calendar. Keep it free and we'll have all the details as soon as we can. Thank you for your support of this podcast. And until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.